0: We are also wrapping up our series that we've been doing the last five weeks called From This Day Forward, where we have been exploring five commitments to fail-proof our marriages, or if we're single, to better prepare for our marriages one day, to have healthy biblical marriages. And so today, we're going to answer your questions that you guys submitted to us over the last five weeks of this series. And just remember, these are your questions. They came from you guys. And I do I do need to give a little disclaimer. I failed to do this in the other two services and should have. A couple of these questions um, are, are fairly sensitive. Um, PG-13, so there's your warning. Um, if you've got kids in here that you think might not be appropriate for them to hear some of the questions and the answers, this would be a great time right now to take them to our awesome children's ministry um, You have been warned, okay? But we're going to answer those questions. Uh, Before we do that, I'll turn it over to Gary. He's going to ask the questions here in just a moment. Um, I also want to give you guys an update. Last Sunday night... We had a business meeting right here at Prairie View High School about our land and our new building right next door uh, to Prairie View. Uh, we voted that night to um, acquire the, the rest of the money that we need, the loan, to pay for this building um, in addition to what's been given with Legacy Fund and all of that. And um, it was incredible. It's, it's, it's really amazing that we had one hundred percent yes vote from Orchard Church last Sunday night to move forward with, with this building. So, hey, that's we're celebrating one hundred percent yes, amen. So that shows you the unity of, of this church. And we also announced that we right now our target date to break ground on our new building is September this September okay, of 2016, so uh, just a few months from now, we were hoping to break ground about now, but we ran into some challenges with the city, we, about five months, had a drainage issue we had to work through, we got past that, and so we're back now, we're rolling, we're back on track, so would you guys be praying for your Church, be praying for us, everything continues to be smooth, hoping to break ground by September, if not sooner, so very, very exciting time last Sunday night, want to give you guys that update.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. So, uh, you guys did a wonderful job of submitting questions, and um, just like Doug said, um, you know, we gave a little disclaimer, this, this will be a little PG-13, but just remember, you asked these questions, okay? So, we definitely lived up to our value of keeping it real yep. for today, for sure. Uh, some, we, did, we won't be able to answer all of the questions, obviously, uh, but a lot of you asked the same kinds of questions, so we were able to combine some of those into one question. So, you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. So the first question is, how can I seek God first with my two when he refuses to attend church or seek God together?
0: Yeah, great question. You know, how how do I continue to seek God if my spouse, you know, refuses to seek God? We had a lot of questions that were in that context. And I think this here was probably coming from a lady asking about her husband, but I think it applies both ways. You know, if you have a husband trying to seek God, but the wife isn't interested, a a lot of questions of, of... around that context, and um, First Peter, and I'm going to give you guys some references, so on the back of your newsletter, we just kind of gave you a blank space, you can write down a bunch of these references as we go through, we're going to try to get to as many questions as we can, but in First Peter chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, Peter addresses the situation, and he specifically is talking to a wife who has a husband who is not wanting to follow or seek God, but it applies practically both ways, um, whether it's husband, wife, or wife, uh, husband, and this, this is what it says. It says, in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news. In other words, they're not a believer. They don't want to follow God. They don't want to follow God's word. They don't want to seek God because week one was seek God, you know, um, as your one with your two, but let's say your spouse doesn't want to seek God. What do you do? If they don't follow the good news, he says, what you're supposed to do is this. He says, you're to nag them and you're to bug them until they finally come to church with you. Or is that what it says? I just want to see if you guys are awake. No. Here's, what, here's the advice that he gives from the scriptures. He says, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. It's not the words you say, it's the life you live that will make a difference in your spouse that is not wanting to follow God. I I said it with the parents, that Christianity is more caught than it's taught. And so it's not the badgering, it's not the nagging, it's not the nitpicking. It's showing that Jesus is real to you and genuine in your life. That will have the greatest effect on your spouse that may not be a believer or may not be following God at all. He goes on to say that they will be won over to Christ, to God, by observing your pure and reverent lives. So the answer is not, you know, badgering and nagging and trying to talk him into it. They have to make their own decision. But it's living out a godly, genuine life before them. And we've seen this happen in a lot of marriages and couples here at Orchard Church. Where one of them was coming to church, following God, you know, being discipled, growing in their faith. But their spouse wasn't. And they prayed for them. And we just said, you know, just live a godly life where they see it's real. And then sooner or later, they came. They came to a service, you know, Easter or Christmas or, or, or some series that we were doing. And then they kept coming. And when we've talked to them and said, you know, and then they accepted Christ. And they got baptized. And they got discipled. And they started growing. And many of them have said, we have asked, what was the turnaround? What was the change? And they said it was seeing how real and genuine my spouse's faith was. I could not deny that something had happened in their life. Especially for those that had a radical life change. That's what spoke volumes and it's a fulfillment of what 1 Peter chapter 3 says. It's living that godly lifestyle that that other person sees that they just cannot deny that there's something real and genuine uh, to this. Now this verse in 1 Peter 3, 1 is not a guarantee, right? I mean, you can't make somebody change. This is not a guarantee, but this is your best hope. This is your best option according uh, to the scriptures to live, live this out and pray for your spouse that it will have an effect. You know, Romans chapter 14 verse 12 says everyone will give a personal account to of himself to God. We won't account for our spouse. We'll account of ourselves. So let's all live for God ourself and believing that that will have an effect on our spouse. That makes sense. All
1: right. That's great. Okay. The next question is I'm not married, but I live like I am. I want to have a pure relationship. Am I to stay and work it out from this day forward or try and find the one to lead this godly relationship?
0: Yeah, we had several questions uh, like this as well. We talked about on one of the weeks staying pure in in marriage and and staying pure before you're married. Um, This person starts out, you know, I'm not married, but I live like I am. So I'm kind of reading between the lines here. Um, And I would first say, I appreciate the heart behind this question. And there were several people that asked questions like this. And, and, and I hear a heart saying, I want to do what is right. I want to please God. I want to honor God. I've maybe made some decisions or been making decisions that are not God honoring, and I want to do something different. And they're, they're responding to the conviction of God. And so that's a, that's a great heart, amen? To, to say, you know, I may not be doing what is right, but I want to get on track. I want to be pure. I want to do what is right. Um, there's some other questions I would want to ask this person. You know, are, are you living with someone? Um, you know are you just dating someone what, what's, what's going on here and you know people ask me sometimes is it a sin to live with someone of the opposite sex before you're married you know is it, it is, is it a sin to sleep with someone well it's not the living together that's the sin I would say it's not even the sleeping part that's the sin it's what happens before you go to sleep that's the problem it's what happens when you're living together before you're married. Are y'all with me? Okay. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. And so that, that's where the real issue lies. And, and we've talked a lot about this, about, you know, being pure and God's design, you know, for a sexual relationship as a husband and wife inside a marriage. And anything outside of that is considered sexual immorality. You know, whether that's, you know, sex before marriage or sex with someone while you're married with somebody else, you know, or somebody of the same sex. All of those things fall into sexual immorality. And you might jot this down. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is one of the great definitive chapters in the Bible where Paul answers a lot of questions about marriage and sexual purity. And he says this. Now, regarding the questions you ask in your letter, they were asking questions about marriage and sexual purity as well. He said, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. But because there's so much sexual immorality, Each man should have his own wife. And each woman should have her own husband. And there's a lot more I could say about that. But there's a lot being said there. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. And the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. That is God's plan. And that is God's design. Anything outside of that falls into sexual immorality. And so... um, You know, we said this in in the series that for a husband and a wife, they are each other's only legitimate biblical means of sexual fulfillment the way God designed it. And so it's a very important part of marriage. So to this person, if they're they're saying, I'm living like I'm married, but I'm not married, you know, and God is speaking to you, convicting your heart. uh, First thing I would say is if you believe that this person is someone that God wants you to marry and that God has ordained this and not just you, then get married. You know, make it right. Do, you know, do what is right. Get, get married. And sometimes people say, well, I'm going to live together, you know, try before I buy, you know, that kind of thing. And But yeah, I don't want to marry them, but I want to live with them. Well, why would you live with somebody you have no interest in marrying? You're just asking for difficulty. You're asking for, for, for challenges. And so, you know, we've had many couples, even through this series, three that I know of for, for sure During this series, they came to us. They had been living together, some of them for a short amount of time, some of them for many, many years. And God spoke to their heart and convicted them and said, you know what, it's time that we just make this right. You know, we're acting like we're married. We're living like we're married, but we're not married. Let's get married. And one of those couples who had been together, I think six plus years, had many children together. Last Monday night, I performed their wedding ceremony before CR. They got married. And they said, we're going to make it right. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. It's awesome. And uh, two of the other couples are planning a wedding in the very near future, very near future, because they've told us, you know, we want to go ahead and have a ceremony, but we're going to live, we're we're, gonna, we're still got to live together, but we're going to be in separate beds and separate rooms, and we're, we, we're making a vow before God and you guys, we're going to be celibate until the service. That's why it's in the very near future. Sure. Which is a good idea, you know. And we've even had situations where people have said, well, you know, we want to have a ceremony down the road. Uh, but we, we want to make it right now. We can, we can marry people any you know, right away. And then have the ceremony later. There's never a wrong time to do what's right. You know, and if God is speaking in your heart and you know what is right, then just make it right. So just just do what, what God would have you to do.
1: I mean, even if it's like eleven thirty at night, they can come to your house, right? <laughs>
0: I'll send them to your house. Gary. Okay, All right. you stay up later.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've been in ministry several years, and I've you know, this is we we've, we've seen this as a common thing, uh, even with my generation and the generation after that, the millennials. There's a, a lot of living together instead of getting married. Uh, Basically because there, a lot of them are afraid of, of marriage. They've seen a lot of divorce happen in the previous generations, those kind of things. And uh, one of the things I've heard from uh, the younger generation is they don't even believe in marriage. But God believes in marriage. Amen. And if we trust him and we trust his word, then we're, we're going to follow him and, and do what he says. So... Good stuff. All right. Um, The next question says this. What advice do you have to men or husbands to put their wife before their mother?
0: Do we really want to answer this on Mother's Day? It is Mother's Day. (laughs) Mother's Day. Oh, man.
1: Okay. So we'll we'll do this. (laughs) Okay, we'll do it. They um, they gave it to us. And then he goes on to say, especially with mothers who don't understand leave and cleave. (laughs)
0: I hope this mom is not in this service, but uh, you know, it's a great question. Um, and a lot of people don't understand that biblically, marriage involves two very important elements leaving and cleaving. Leaving and cleaving, and you can't cleave until you first fully leave father and mother. Uh, Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 19, verse 4 and 5. He says, the scriptures record from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother. Everybody say, leaves. And cleaves to his wife. Everybody say, cleaves. Cleaves. Okay, you got to leave one family to cleave to another family. And anytime you see uh, practically there's not a leaving There can't be the biblical kind of cleaving that the Bible is really talking about to make God number one and spouse number two. And that's why they're asking this question because it it poses all kinds of difficulties and challenges and, and problems. And so, you know, biblically, maybe you've never heard that. But, you know, you're still to honor your father and mother. But when you, if you're not ready to make your spouse number two right behind God, then you're not ready to be married. Because that is what the Bible teaches that you are leaving one family, you're being joined to another family, and that family is your primary number one responsibility now, is, is that family, your wife, your husband. And you say, well, you know, okay, maybe mom, mother-in-law's getting involved, or father-in-law's getting involved, you know, how do I deal with that? Well, this, this happens all the time on Dr. Phil, and he always says this, and it's, it's a really great suggestion, he says, you know, you deal with your people. Think about it. You deal with your people. So if it's the husband's mom that's the issue, let the husband deal with his mom. You don't try to fix mother-in-law. That doesn't go well, okay? And vice versa. You know, don't try to fix, you know, her dad. Have her deal with her dad. But it's a biblical thing to to leave and to cleave. Definitely is. It's
1: good. Okay. Uh, happy Mother's Day, by Sorry, the way. Moms. Yeah,
0: um, Sorry,
1: moms. Sorry, moms. <laughs> um, but uh, so here, the next one is for our single people, okay? okay. All right. Um, single people.
0: We got single people. Let's see it. Where's the single people? Raise your hand nice and high, single people. Nice and high. Keep them up. Keep them up. Look around. Scan the room. I'm doing this for you one more time. Let's make some, some connections here. You can thank me later, all right? If they keep their hand up,
1: they're really interested. Yes, we, yes. Yeah, I, I
0: saw thought... some of them taking note. They're like, oh, yeah, over there in yeah, that yeah, section. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I saw one single guy. I think he's been in all three services waiting for this moment. Oh. And he's been taking notes in the back. I don't want to point him out. Can't but blame him. I mean, yeah, he's smart I think guy. He's, I right. think he's taking notes. All right. Okay, so. <laughs> hey, this is a great place
1: to meet it. Absolutely. So all right, so the question is, when you're single, what do you mean by prepare for your two?
0: Yeah, this, this goes back to our first week, our first commitment, which was to seek God. That's our first, first commitment. And, and if you missed any of these weeks, I encourage you to go to our website, orchardchurch.tv. You can watch any of these messages. They're online, video, audio, notes, all that stuff. And we talked about seeking God is first. You know, Jesus said in Matthew twenty two thirty six, 36, they were asking him, the religious leaders, what's the greatest and most important commandment of all the commandments? You know, we tend to think of the 10 commandments. So there are like 360 commandments. And they said, Jesus, give us the most important one. You can only give us one. What is it? And Jesus said, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. That's why we say, seek God first. God has got to be our one. Whether you're married, whether you're single, you're a teenager, you're a mom or dad, God is supposed to be number one. Amen? Amen? And then our spouse, once we get married, is to be two. And then kids would be after that, would be three in our family and so God is to be our one and then our spouse is to be our two so we said when you're married you're to seek your one God with your two the two seeking one together to, to, to God if you're single you are to seek God your one while you're preparing and waiting for your two um, Jesus also said in Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be added unto you so God's God's to be our one and then our spouse to be our two it's good. Good stuff. All right, um, the next question is a, a hot topic
1: and a, a very culturally relevant question to ask today. Um, what if you are born transgender, born in a body that you truly know you do not belong?
0: Yeah, this was a good question. Very uh, relevant, timely question in our culture and some of the things that are going on. Um, you know, one of our values here at Orchard Church, probably our most important value, is what does the Bible say? you know not what does culture say not what is politically correct and i am i'm going to tell you what the bible says i'm going to i'm going to tell you what my interpretation of the scripture in relation to this question is you have got to make your own decision but i have a responsibility to tell you what I see the Bible says about subjects like this. Fair enough? That's what you would expect. So that's what I'll tell you. And I I would say, first of all, and then I'll back it up with Scripture, my view on this, asking the question, what if I'm born transgender, born in a body that I truly don't think belongs to me? I I think we've got to be really careful with this thought and this question because... I don't personally, this is me, believe that people are born transgender. Transgender means I'm changing and transitioning my gender that was given to me by my creator. That means I'm going to change what God gave me. And we have to be very careful with this because what we're saying is God made a mistake. God messed up. He didn't know I was really supposed to be this and God made me this. And I personally believe in a God that doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't mess up. He doesn't make mistakes. He's perfect. And the psalmist talked about this. And you might want to write this down very timely today. Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14. The psalmist said this to God. You made all my delicate inner parts of my body. And you knit me together in my mother's womb. God made us in our mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. That sounds like somebody who's praising God that doesn't make mistakes. You made me the way you wanted me to be. So for us to say I'm going to change the way our creator made us, I think is starting to, to say we know better than God what we're really supposed to be and we gotta be really, really careful with this. And, you know, I would also say, you know, I'm gonna nobody really ask this question this way, but I want to touch on this subject. You know, people say, Well, what about people that are born gay? They're born homosexual. And that's a little bit different than this question, but but follow my my line of thinking here with the scriptures. Because there used to be a time that I said, ah, people aren't born gay. But the last time I checked the Bible, we are all born with a sin nature. We're all born sinners. I know I was. Bible says, for all of us have sinned, Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, there's none of us that are righteous, no, not one. That we, we have, The Bible says that as one man sinned, Adam entered into the world, that sin and death was passed upon all of us. So we were all, can we all agree we were born with a sin nature? And that sin nature pulls us in different directions. Paul, the apostle Paul talked about this and he said, there's certain sins that trip some people up more than other people. That the sin that easily besets us. That causes us to stumble. For some people their sin nature. Causes them to lie. For some people their sin nature. Draws them to cheat. For some people their sin nature. Draws them to steal. For some people their sin nature. Draws them to lust and pornography. For some people their sin nature. Draws them to drugs or alcoholism. And things like that. So I believe for some people. They are born with a sin nature. That they are drawn to the same sex. Because of their sin nature. And I know that's not politically correct, but I believe it's biblically correct. I'm just telling you where I stand on this. And so I think we have to to understand we all have a sin nature that pulls us in different directions. And we have a propensity to sin. And for some people, it's being attracted to the same sex. Or maybe it's, I want to change my sex. I want to go to transgender. I like the way Rick Warren said it. You know, the the author of uh, Purpose Driven Life. He said, I am genetically inclined to sleep with every pretty woman I see. That's where my sin nature pulls me, but I don't do it. I say no to sin. We all have a decision to make and we can say no to sin and do what is do what is right. So, tough tough one. That's tough good. one. And
1: Put I know your out. heart is that's not a political statement no. either. That's a I'm just, no.
0: uh, just a asking statement. what does
1: the Bible say? Yep. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yep. Cool. Well, that was heavy. <laughs> that was yep. a, Tough yeah, one. So, yeah. we'll, we'll go a little lighter on this next question oh, okay. for you. okay. Right. Um, the next question is, is masturbation a sin even without porn or lustful thoughts? This is the lighter question?
0: <laughs> we told you it's PG-13. You guys ask these questions. Well, first of all, Gary, I've answered five questions and done a lot of talking. So, I think maybe, you know, you should... Answer a question. Why, I don't want to dominate the time up here, you know. You're so, just so
1: much better than me, though. Yeah, it's right. All,
0: <laughs> all right, I'll take the question. Did, did you, do you all remember the question? Do we need to repeat it or no? Okay, 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 yeah. We'll just call it the M word, all right? So People are like, don't say that again in church. Um, so the question is, the M word as sin without pornography or lustful thoughts. First, let me say that I don't see any clear biblical teaching um, about the M word. If you're looking for that word in your word search, you know, in your Bible, let me just save you some time. You're not going to find that word in most of your Bible translations. Um, there's one passage in Genesis chapter 38 verse 9 and 10 there's a story about a man named Onan and it says he spilled his seed on the ground and some people say well that's talking against the M word but actually if you read the context of that story the problem was he was not fulfilling his family duty to provide an heir for his a brother who had died and, and that was kind of a cultural thing and so I, I, don't, I personally don't think that exactly is talking about that I, I think the issue and this is my opinion on this with some biblical backing. <laughs> um, I think I don't think the issue is the act itself. It is what leads to the act. And what is happening during the act of the M word. Okay? It usually involves a biblical word, lust. And there that word you will find in your Bible. Amen? Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes. And it's lust, which is, you know... Having lustful feelings towards someone that is not your spouse that usually leads to the act that is in question here i 'm doing everything to b- avoid the word um, but usually there are there are thoughts there are pictures, there are videos there are images that are a part of this act so you know i, I don 't think it 's the act itself it 's what it 's the lustful thoughts that are involved around this act does that make sense so I would say that is what so if that act can be, happen without lustful thoughts and pictures and videos and all those kind of things, well, I guess there's liberty in Christ. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but 99% of the time, it does involve lust. And that that's the problem. You know, Dr. Dobson, focus on the family, talks about this subject. And he addresses it especially with adolescent kids. Because some parents, you know, find this happen with their kids and they kind of freak out and all that. And he, and he said he actually, you know, and he knows a lot more about this than I do. He's a psychologist and, you know, a doctor. He says he feels it's kind of a normal part of the adolescent process as long as it doesn't involve, you know, pornography and videos and things like that. So you guys can Check out Focus on the Family. Moving on. That's good. Moving on. Huh. All right. Thanks for that easy one there. Yeah, Light no problem. One, I'll,
1: I'll take the next one though. Oh, okay. Oh, so the, the next question is, <laughs> how do you fight fair when your, spouse, when your spouse does not? That's the question. How do you fight fair when your spouse does not? So I, I spoke on this uh, on a, in a message called Fighting Fair, and you know we all know one thing, and that is that we can't change anyone. We don't have that power. We, we can change what we do. We're in control of what we do, but we're not in control of, of anybody else. And when it comes to this issue of, you know, I'm trying to fight fair, but my spouse is not. we got to be careful not to be reactionary, not to be a reactor, but to remember this, to respond in a godly way. And the best thing that we can possibly do, which will sound kind of like a cop-out answer, but it's, but it's something that Christians don't do enough, is pray. Mm-hmm. Pray for your spouse, Pray and and pray for your for yourself because the Bible doesn't tell us that we're supposed to change our spouse. You won't find that verse. Nor can we change our spouse, but we can pray for them, and we can pray for ourselves. And we pray for ourselves. God's going to do a work in us. And we pray for our spouse. What we're going to be doing is responding in a godly way. And what's so powerful about that? Because your is is this that your prayer may or may not change your spouse. But it will always, always change you. Mm-hmm. So it's important that we remember not to react, but to respond and pray for them and see some healthy, healthy things happen with this fighting fair Yeah, issue. that's
0: good. I would also add Proverbs 15.1. Just write that down, Proverbs 15.1. It says, a gentle answer deflects anger. You know, even though they may not be fighting fair and maybe flying off the handle and getting mad, a gentle answer deflects anger. Soft word turns away wrath. And so sometimes, you know, we, as parents, talk about putting kids in timeout. Sometimes adults need timeout. Just take a timeout. You know, just, just to say, let's, let's take 30 minutes, catch our breath, come back and talk about this. It's good. Yep.
1: Okay, the next question, it comes from a statement you made, I think it was a couple weeks ago, and I was kind of wondering myself what this meant, um, but somebody actually asked this question.
0: They said, what is,
1: what, what exactly
0: is peeling the banana back? You guys are not allowed to hold me accountable for everything I say up here, okay? Uh, how many of y'all remember me saying that? Peeling, peeling the banana back? I was talking about, as Christians, you know, sometimes we may be getting a road rage situation, and somebody, you know, flips us a bird, and so what are we going to do as a Christian? How are we going to respond? We're going to pray for them because we're a Christian. We're not going to peel the banana back. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Okay. Raise your hand high. Those that know what I'm talking about. Okay. Those that do not know, talk to some of these people. They got their hands up. They know. Okay. Or go, go see our Spanish pastor, Marcial. He, he'll tell you. He definitely understands. He what definitely this
1: knows what is. that is. He, yeah, for he, sure. Yeah. He can
0: tell you what this means in both languages. Uh, yeah, yeah. He knows sure. what this means. So, yeah. yes. Okay. <laughs> is it universal? Is that a universal? Oh, okay. Just checking. it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Okay, Um,
1: the next question is, would it be better to stay in a poison relationship and work on it or start over with a pure relationship?
0: Yeah, great question. I I mean, I I wish I could ask this person this question. Are you married or not? If you're in a married relationship and it's a poisonous relationship, then, you know, we talked about the last week and throughout the series, never give up, never give up, do everything you can to stay married, work it out, get counseling, go get help, you know, work through it. If you're not married and it's a poisonous relationship, then I would say um, I would probably try to get out of that relationship and ask God to lead you to your two and the one that He has for you. And always taking into to account, we say this all the time, and I think some people think pastors are just making this up, but it's in the scriptures. We taught our kids growing up that um, the Bible teaches that Christians should date Christians, Christians should get engaged to Christians, Christians should marry Christians. And you say, where's that? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And marriage is certainly two becoming one, yoking together uh, into one. And so, um, you know, when you're dating, um, when you're, you know, thinking about that person to marry, you know, you should be trying to find a Christian and be, and don't do the missionary dating thing. Well, they're not a Christian, but I'm going to lead them to Christ. And that. Sometimes works, but most of the time does not. We call that missionary dating. Okay, some of y'all get that. But now, if you're already married and, you're, and your spouse is not a believer, Paul addresses this. He's, don't get divorced. You lead a, lead a godly life and maybe lead them to Christ if you're married. But if you're not married, you know, be looking to marry someone uh, that is a, is a believer. Amen? All right.
1: Cool. All right, we got one last question. Cool. Um, the question is Is it wrong to not share your past darkness with your spouse?
0: Yeah, um, great question. You know, is it wrong to not share your past darkness? Um, I think that this is a question that needs a lot of wisdom. And James says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask God and he'll give you a liberal dose of wisdom. Um, I- I'll tell you what happened in my own personal life um, with Shelley that I hope will speak to some of you guys. Um, Shelley and I were both raised in a Christian home. Um, she was very you know, dedicated to God, never had a time in her life where she you know, went the wrong direction or sowed her wild oats. She was you know, very you know, God-honoring um, woman and um, stayed pure in every way. I wish I could tell you that was true in my life. I was raised in a Christian home, but when I got 16, I got a job, I got a girlfriend, I got out of church. I, I, I ran from God for about six years and did things that I look back that I wish I would have never done and I regret to this day. And so when Shelley and I met, you know, I had a little bit of a dark past, she did not, and I didn't feel like it was fair and honest for me to just marry her and act like I had everything together and I'd never made any mistakes. And and so I said there's some things I want you to know about me before we even get engaged and we get get married. And I remember this it was a Sunday afternoon. We took a walk and our neighbor and I, I just shared. Now I didn't go into every dark detail and all that. I think you've got to use some wisdom there. But enough to be honest with her, and it really, I believe, built trust in our relationship to this day. It built a foundation of trust and every relationship has got to have a foundation of trust. You know, a marriage is is built on trust. And it, it's earned over many years. It's broken in a moment. And so it was an opportunity to build some trust and, and be open and honest. And it was very freeing for me, too, that I didn't have to, like, you know, wonder someday is she going to find out something about me in my past that she didn't know about. And so it was very freeing. And, um, you know, the Bible says this in James five sixteen confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. We can't forgive each other, but we can pray for each other. Amen? Pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's just something very healing and freeing about revealing your feelings. You know, I, I say it often that the beginning of healing is revealing your feelings. Revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. And so I think there can be a lot of healing and openness and trust going into marriage and going into a relationship. But you've got to be careful. You don't give every detail. All the, I don't think that's necessary. And you just got to ask God for a lot, a lot of wisdom. But it can build a, a lot of trust. That makes sense? So I know it's helpful in our, our marriage and our life. Yeah. All right, I think, I think we're out of time. Okay, all right. Well, let's, let's wrap it up uh, with this. Thank you guys again. For, can we just celebrate? Thanks to those for the questions. You guys did a great job with your questions. Um, thank you for those questions. And as we wrap this up, you know, with this question about darkness in our past, you know, no matter what your past is like, no matter what it, how dark it may be, um, aren't you thankful for a God that called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light? And that we have a God of second chances. And we have a God of forgiveness. And we have a God that forgives our sins, our past, present, and future. And whenever we feel shame, we feel guilt and remorse, I don't believe those things come from God. I believe those things come from our enemy, Satan. He's the accuser of the brethren. And there's no reason for any of us to walk out of here feeling guilt and shame and remorse. We can can be free today. And so maybe someone here is today, even in this service, like our other two previous services, that you've never just opened your life and your heart to the saving knowledge of Jesus. The reason he died on the cross for you is to bring you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've experienced. And it's the most freeing and healing and victorious thing you could ever experience. And so I just want to give maybe some of you an opportunity to make that decision today if you've never made that. So right now, could you just bow your heads in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed? And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you just pray this prayer with me? It's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if it comes from your heart, and you really mean it and believe it. You can invite Jesus into your life today. And you can be forgiven for all your sins. No more regrets. No more remorse. And from this day forward. Your life can be different. So if that's you today. And you know who you are. And God's speaking to you. Would you pray this prayer with me? And from your heart to God. It goes like this. Jesus. I believe in you. I believe you came to die for me. To pay for my sins. Past. Present. And future. Jesus, come into my life. I want to come out of darkness and into your light. I want to experience your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, dying for me, giving me a second chance. Thank you. Thank you. As we continue in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I never want to do that. But I'd love the privilege and honor to pray for you. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time and you really meant it and it came from your heart. I want to just ask you in a moment just to, to raise your hand. Nobody's looking but me. Just so I can pray for you that you grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Anyone else? Just put it up nice and high. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Yes, a couple of family members there. God bless you. Yes. Thank you, young person. Anyone else? Yes, I prayed that prayer. Would you pray for me, Pastor Doug? I prayed that prayer. Yes, God bless you, young people down here. Thank you. Anyone else? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for those putting their faith and trust in you today. We pray that they would grow in their relationship with you from this day forward. We rejoice and celebrate their decision. We thank you for the forgiveness that we find in your son, Jesus Christ. The healing, the victory, the hope. Pray that we would go and sin no more. Lord, we thank you for this series from this day forward. We pray that we would remember these five commitments. For those that are married, we build them into our our lives and our marriages. For those who are single, that would help them to prepare for a godly marriage someday by living a godly life today. As we all seek our one with our two or seek the one while we're preparing for the two that you'll bring into our life. Help us to be doers of your word, not just yours only. We thank you for your goodness. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate decisions for Jesus today? Amen. Amen. If you made a decision for Christ today, please let us know about it. If you raised your hand and said, I accepted Christ, we want to continue to pray for you. So on your connection card, just check that box that says you accepted Christ, rededicate your life day, give us your contact information, we'll send you a little book in the mail and continue to pray for you. If you are a first time guest today here at Orchard Church, thanks so much for being our guest. Hopefully you fill out that guest connection card in your newsletter. You can drop in the offering bucket when it goes by in just a moment as we receive our gifts. We're not interested in your money today, first time guest, but we're definitely interested in you. So let us know that you're here. We'll send you a thank you note, a free gift in the mail. If you are new to Orchard Church today or recently and I haven't met you personally, I would love to do so. I'll be hanging out in the courtyard by the tent, so come by and introduce yourselves. I've met many first-time guests today, so thanks for being here. Uh, We finished up this series. We've got a couple of weeks before we start our summer series, so we're going to have some kind of standalone special messages the next couple of weeks. Uh, Next Sunday, I'm going to be bringing a message called the DNA of Orchard. Um, I'm really going to be sharing my heart where we've been the last 10 years, where we are, where we're headed, uh, some really exciting things God has done in our church, and just what makes us who we are as a church, and why we love this church and this place so much, and so uh, you don't want to miss that, it's going to be great next Sunday, the the DNA of Orchard, and so we're going to close checking out some other things uh, going on around here at Orchard Church, you don't want to miss this, we're also going to worship through our tithes and our offerings, because we want to be a church that learns to give to God first, because we definitely have a give first God, amen, we want to learn to save second. Because that creates health, healthy margin in our lives. And then we want to learn to live on the rest and live lives that are content. So right now, don't go anywhere. Check out what else is going on around here at Orchard Church as we worship through our gifts. And have a happy Mother's Day.